Hi, this is Janesh. And this is Pranab. You're tuned in to the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. It was about building a really, really high quality business that we could build for eternity. And we were just fortunate that we got an offer along the way that we liked, personally liked, right? Because acquisition again, selling the business, very personal decision. The fortunate along the way that we got an offer that we liked, we found someone who saw value in our business, we were able to sell it, but never build a business to sell because it will never get sold. Today, we have Arjun Vaidya on the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. Arjun is an Ayurvedic entrepreneur who took his grandfather's legacy and converted it into India's largest online Ayurvedic brand. He's the first Ayurvedic entrepreneur on the Forbes 30 under 30, currently an active angel investor, mentor, and also runs one of my favorite podcast channels, Direct to a Billion Consumer, where he talks about the complex consumer good ecosystem with the best minds in this business. We hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed hosting him. Arjun, thank you so much for coming on the 30 Minute Hustle on a very busy weekend for you and uh, thanks for your time. No, happy to be here and excited for the conversation. Yes. So Arjun, just to start off with yourself, you know, like you founded uh, a legacy of company and you revamped it uh, to the new age company it has become now. So what was what has convinced you to take up this legacy as you grew up in this family business as well? And what made you choose this path in revamping the whole system? Sure. So I think a lot of my life and, and my upbringing and my family's history has to do with the company, right? So I, Vedya, my last name means Ayurvedic doctor. I come from a legacy of 150 years of Ayurveda and my family. Um, so my grandfather, great-grandfather and generations before Ayurvedic doctors. Uh, the legacy of our business was not a business actually. So Dr. Vedya's, uh, unlike what most people think, was not a family business. My dada was a doctor. So was my great grandfather. They ran one Ayurvedic clinic um, where patients used to come and um, see the doctor and, and get prescribed medicine, right? So, so that was the legacy that I grew up in. Uh, as a family, we had a large amount of IP passed down from generation to generation. So these were our secret family foundations. Uh, my grandfather actually became in the 80s and 90s one of India's most successful Ayurvedic doctors. So he used to see 300 to 350 patients a day in his clinic, had 12,000 patients write him by a post. Uh, so, so a really famous doctor in that sense, but he was a man who cared for service. Um, and so he gave a free consultation because he didn't want economic strata to prevent people from coming to see him. But he never cared for sales, distribution, marketing or strategy. Um, personally, for me, actually, I grew up with asthma. I grew up with juvenile bronchitis. I grew up with pumps, nebulizers, steroids, inhalers. And for me, that prevented me from having a normal childhood and I wasn't allowed to play cricket. Right at, at age five, I started playing cricket. At age seven, my grandfather took me off the cricket field, saying there's too much dust on the cricket field. So I was playing golf and squash as a kid. That for any kid is is not a great thing, right? Because all your friends are playing cricket and you're going to the golf course and missing every ball for hours, and and you have you're just frustrated, right? So when I was fourteen and a half or fifteen. I was cured of asthma using my grandfather's Ayurvedic treatment. And at age 15 and a half or 16, I became captain of my school cricket team. Not because I was the most accomplished or skillful player, but just because I was the most attentive and punctual to practice. But I could start playing cricket. And to me, Ayurveda gave me that. So it was more than a family legacy. 
it meant something to me. I spent a lot of time with my grandfather growing up. I transcribed our family foundations from the scriptures to Excel sheets. And basically, to me, it had given me something more than just being a family legacy. So I promised my grandfather I'd do something with it. I went to the US for my undergrad and I saw a move towards natural organic products. I saw Whole Foods, that whole revolution happening. But I also saw yoga being repackaged, right? Yoga mats, yoga gyms, yoga apparel become a multi-billion dollar industry in the US. And I thought to myself, this is not fair, right? They've taken what we had, repackaged and are selling it back to us. But Indian companies have nothing to do with it. So that got me thinking, in Ayurveda, at least India has to take it to the world. And that's the backstory behind why I, why I started doing what I did. Absolutely, because with the rays of the yoga in the West, like especially companies like Lulumon and everything coming into picture. So what is the essence of Ayurveda are you trying to bring out? You know, Because I, I do feel like the West has observed a lot of this culture and I'm sure there's some essence missing out. And what is that essence that you want to retain and bring out in your brand? Yeah, so with our brand, there was the essence of Ayurveda is very clear and we don't have an I didn't have a problem with the way the essence of Ayurveda was coming out. I had a problem with the way Ayurveda was talking to Pranab. That was my problem. It was that this ancient science had not repackaged itself for modern consumers. Right? Chavan Prash is a black, bitter, sticky, inconvenient place that most of us Indian kids grew up having. But we stopped having it when we could tell our parents we don't want to have it any longer. It's great for you, but the format sucks. So we launched Chavan Prash in toffee form right, for kids. So kids can enjoy having Chavan Prash but still get the goodness or benefits. That is the idea behind Dr. Vedas, basically taking 150 years of our family legacy and 5,000 years of science and repackaging to appeal to the modern consumer. The first product I launched at Dr. Vedas is a hangover product called Live It Up. That's the essence of what we're trying to do, right? We're saying, hey, look, this science has a lot of goodness, right? It has a lot of amazing things to offer, but it's too fuddy-duddy and old school and it doesn't appeal to Pranamanja Nation. That's the problem we have to solve. Awesome. So... Uh, actually, the, the, my next question was going to be that, uh, um, Arjun. So it's a it's a two part question. So I want to ask you, what were the sort of preconceived notions that you sort of faced in the market? And uh, I, uh, you spoke about productizing Ayurvedic medicine. How, and how did you break that by productizing your Ayurvedic medicine products? See, then the preconceived notions is is one where I was really young when I started the business. Right, I was twenty four and a half years old. So there were all these preconceived notions of Ayurveda cannot be new age. Ayurveda is old style. It cannot be sold through digital online Ayurveda businesses would fail. But I was too naive to care about all of that. And then, you know, when you're young, you see you'll change the world. So I just went for it. Hindsight is 2020 and, and, and that's great. And we end up doing a decent job. But had I been this age right now, I probably wouldn't have taken the risk. Right. So I was really fortunate to, to be young when I started the business. And the other preconceived notion was in the urban centers of India. India, right? In the in the bigger cities, at least, that this stuff doesn't work. It's not real. It's all of those things, right? But but reality is that seventy two percent of Indian households use at least one Ayurvedic product. So that was really, really reassuring, right? That that the science has basically gone very deep in this country. It's just that we don't know it. We don't like it. It doesn't appeal to us, right? And so that was an easier problem to solve. I think from the productization perspective, right? I just went with first principles basically. And I said, look, these are problems that people face. Ayurveda has solutions, but these Ayurvedic solutions are not talking to customers. Mm. So that's how we started with it. Uh, personally, I, I started with a real bias of being young, right? And so I said, I don't want to sell diabetes, arthritis, and asthma. I want to make a millennial new age 
urban ayurveda brand realized very quickly that the market actually is very deep right so dr vedya's was not a millennial ayurveda brand dr vedya's was a new age ayurvedic products brand but 82% of our sales went outside the top 10 cities so we made ayurveda for the modern indian for the modern bharat consumer uh, and our real differentiation was we land grabbed online before anybody else we achieved market leadership position we gave a free consultation online in 4 years we reached 5000 orders a day 1 and 1/2 million orders just from our own website across 16 and 1000 pin codes in this country that's that's what we did uniquely that's uh, that's awesome so uh, you spoke about how you started it and and one of your first products and i actually i was doing a lot of research about how you started off your company and and one thing that really sort of uh, really inspired me was the fact that you took one thing and you stuck to it and you kept doing that and then you made it the the made it a, a success and then you went on to another thing so how has it grown from uh, i think once your first products were live it up and herbo fit how how has it sort of grown from there i'm sure you had your struggles and and bootstrapping the company and all that yeah so look i think the the first thing was when we started actually most people don't know this we started as a a typical fmcg offline business right so uh, early 2017 launched uh, in mumbai offline with 22 sales reps hired a bunch of distributors had a launch event at taj lands end um and I mean, we just did a bunch of primary sales, right? So we sold to distributors, and I thought everything's great. I started modeling this on Excel, being someone from private equity. Uh, but very quickly, I realized that the offline market is really competitive. There are much larger players, and I didn't have anything that made customers want to buy my product. So three months later, I got ninety percent of the product I sold back, right? And that's when I realized that look, there's something wrong with offline where I don't have a right to win. Um, so we pivoted and we said we're going to be online only. It was a great decision, but at that time it seemed like a very stupid decision because Ayurveda was not being built online. My wife Trisha actually was my girlfriend at the time, and she had worked at Goldman in the UK. But she came back to India in 2014, and she worked with the early team at Nike. So she saw really e-commerce proliferation happening very early on in the ecosystem, and she said, "We're going to be online only." So I said, "Look, I can't do it alone. You have to join me." Uh, so we got engaged, and then eventually, once we got engaged, both. sides of parents said okay fine if you're engaged then you guys can work together so she joined and then from november 2017 onwards we launched drvedyas.com and that time we realized two products is going to cut it so we launched 29 products um across illness which is chronic ailments and wellness which is lifestyle um focused products and yeah we just we just took it from there we said our website is our focus area d2c is our focus area before anyone was talking about d2c before this word was a buzzword or a word in vogue uh and we decided we do one thing our website right because in a fmcg business you can do your own website you can do marketplaces you can do offline through general trade modern trade you can do institutional sales you can do exports you can do b2b you know all of these things right but it takes a lot of bandwidth so we said we're going to be our, we're going to do our website it's going to be the best website in the country or the biggest website in the country for our products and and one year later in november 2018 we reached 50 orders a day and today it may not seem like a big number but in 2018 doing 50 orders a day on your own website was a pretty big deal um and that's when we thought this is product market fit it makes sense and we can hyperscale from here awesome so um what was like an interesting story when you first launched your product like like something that that was really like interesting say you went for live it up and and a question that you got asked <laughs> yeah so you know with live it up right because the first product we launched we would actually go to the to the promo events ourselves right so live it up as a product has been built 
by sampling right sampling for me for that product because it was you have it before you drink you drink you wake up fresh in the morning sampling was the best form of marketing for the first one year we sampled more than 2 lakh packets of livid up across restaurants bars clubs pubs lounges wine shops all of those things every single promo event trisha and i were at ourselves so i put a linkedin post about this uh, as well uh, from our first promo event we did it at a club called trist which i used to go to when i was in school and college and coming back from college and stuff like that but really hearing from those customers um what they like what they didn't like whether they have it whether they not they were like oh this is a green shiny packet what kind of shady stuff are you selling to hey this seems interesting and and sort of understanding how the customer reacted to tweak our messaging that was really interesting and i think I, look i would never replace that right doing customer service on sundays i used to pick up the phone every sunday and and, and answer the calls and hear customers until like mid 2018 early 2019 i would do customer service every single sunday right i think that was really cool because unless you talk to your customers you have no idea what what they're thinking that's so true i mean i i guess like that's one of the key things that people don't uh, uh, don't don't know is that the fact that you keep getting your customer uh, feedback is extremely important for you to sort of keep innovating your product also um yeah pranab so absolutely and when you're working with your wife your spouse like what are the things that you learn off each other and what what comes out positive which has got accepted in your business as well so look it's a it's a tough one right a lot of people ask us this question and for us fortunately it was it was very successful our our working relationship and and it worked out really well for us <laughs> but i think working with your spouse or partner or someone really close to you there's only two ways it can go really well or really badly it can't be okay right and for us it went really well uh, i think uh, the way we did it was look for me it was tough to bring on a co-founder right because the ip was my family's and so i can't bring on someone say you're going to put the same amount of effort as me i'll give you 10% of the company i'll keep 90 that doesn't make sense right so i had to bring someone from from the family or with the same incentive structure as me unfortunately i was able to bring on my wife but i think when your partners or when you're so close you got to clearly demarcate responsibilities right and we were able to do that so i was the big picture guy she was the day to day person so even if it meant that you would have thought that i would be doing ops no trisha was better at ops so she did ops and i was totally okay with that right so crm logistics operations day to day performance marketing uh hiring hr and day to day finance trisha did all of that stuff i had a private equity background but i didn't do any of that right on the other hand i did uh sales business development marketing strategy content fundraise legal admin it those kind of functions right so we split pretty pretty well our our key focus areas and if someone came to me for crm and said hey how do you manage this i said it's not my area of expertise so i'm sorry you got to speak to my wife right and and that was really that was really good for us second thing is really good for us is what's best for the business is best for the business and it doesn't matter whether you're emotional about it or not it's okay like if it if it works in the business works in the business i think there's also the 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 portion of like ego and and that's a huge there was zero ego right yeah. i think the business was paramount so ego was left aside and and we'd have conversations and we'd reason it out and debate it out and what was better for the business was better for the business whoever took the decision right so i think that was the second thing and the third thing was we accepted that work had to come home like you can't say that hey i'm going to cut off now it doesn't <laughs> happen you know so we accepted that work could come home i think these three things helped us really sort of work together well absolutely so 
that's that's of prime importance that you know especially when you're starting off that work comes home work lives with you work goes to bed with you so that's how it is so what is the transition of your business along with e-commerce and direct to cu- uh, customer what is the main difficult points uh, you know you were facing and you know which 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 really brought out the brand to what it was what it is now well look i think building a brand in india is very tough right because we're a large country and when when people see it from the outside they say hey there's so many people so obviously you'll have takers but with so many people there's also so much competition there's so much clutter there's so much information right and in something which is ingestion which you take into your body the customer has to have a lot of trust so it took us two two and a half years to actually get customers to believe in dr vedias to believe in our mission our goals our vision so i think the toughest aspect was building a brand and when i look back today right and i'm fortunate to to look back on it now it's become a pretty iconic brand uh it's synonymous with ayurveda online is synonymous for new age ayurveda it's synonymous for digital ayurveda but it it took a lot of heavy lifting to build build a brand from scratch in the ayurvedic product space my grandfather had a name amongst his patients but translating that mission from thousands of customers to millions of customers that took a lot of heavy lifting and as you have started the business and then you have scaled it to a certain extent was the acquisition always cooking up in the back or was it always uh, around the corner no never look i think i've spoken to more than 150 founders now since i've exited the business in march and uh, all of them ask me like how do i sell my business or how should i think about it? the idea is for us it was never about selling it it was about building a really really high quality business that we could build for eternity and we were just fortunate that we got an offer along the way that we liked personally liked right because acquisition again selling the business very personal decision the fortunate along the way that we got an offer that we liked we found someone who saw value in our business we were able to sell it but never build a business to sell because it will never get sold what yeah. were you feeling when the acquisition was taking place and how was it as being a founder of the company and uh, and what is the transition period like because the reins are being shared now you know? it looks so it's never easy right it's it's a bit of sweet feeling it's a it's bitter because you're letting go of your baby in some sense the space that i spent 12 to 14 hours of my life in for basically for four and a half years trisha and i got engaged and then started working in the same office we got married and we went back to that same office we grew up in that office we matured in that office with that team with all those people so it's very tough to say goodbye right and look 95 to 97% of my time from 2016 to 2020 was spent only thinking about dr vedyas right uh so it was tough to say goodbye having said that i think it's also a nice feeling right to say hey i built a brand and in four four and a half years i was able to sell it to one of india's largest business houses that that's a great feeling right so no it's not easy to let go but i think if you if you step back and you think about it it's an amazing outcome that's nice i mean uh, it's it's a very it's very interesting on how you how you view your business and how you've grown it but um, i think a lot of uh, how a person builds a business is is on his past experiences and what he has grown in and where he's grown with so um you went to study you understood like how uh, the west sort of productized uh, uh, yoga and you came back and and uh, i know that you worked in a private equity uh, firm too so what were some of the experiences that sort of from those past experience did you actually take in and and apply in your business 
See, I talked to you already about my family legacy and how that translated into the business. I talked to you about my experience in the U.S. in college. Or uh, private equity, actually, to be honest, gave me a lot of exposure to the consumer sector. I met 150 plus consumer entrepreneurs building high quality businesses in my three years there. I got exposure to what brands mean, what really good businesses are, and I also got exposure to what it means to structure a deal, right? So I think that was really good experience from the day-to-day operations perspective. Though, to be honest, nothing can teach you what entrepreneurship can. and you're never prepared until you're in so i think that we had to learn on the job i think also i got a lot of support from my family right? i put a linkedin post about this very recently i think two days ago i learned a lot from my grandfather while i was growing up i learned a lot from my family while they were helping us build the business while only trisha and i built the business i think having a strong support system was also really important there were days when we'd come back we don't want to talk there were days when we come back we never wanted to talk about work there were days when we did something which in the larger scheme of things was pretty small but my whole family celebrated it saying it's a big achievement for for you guys right I think from that perspective learned a lot from 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 family from mentors from advisors from customers and grew up a lot while we were building this business if you looked looked at us four and a half years ago and you look at us now it took three different people uh, much more humbled much more grounded much more okay to accept failure uh much more well rounded mature people now and and fortunate to have entrepreneurship teacher so absolutely so um as as you know like as you many entrepreneurs starting up their own career tell us tell us about the importance of mentors and you know like how the support system is so important at the same time there's always so much muck around it like a lot of people are all whelmed with a lot of different advices no so what is the worst advices you have you have crossed in your path that you have cho- you have chose to let go and then you have carried on with whatever you have done so far look i come from a, my father runs a luxury jewelry and watch business that's my family business actually it's been around for 35 40 years now so I come from family business background and and my father's run a pretty successful business so the worst advice i actually got was you're wasting your time doing this join your family business because that will be a much better use of your time and my father laughed when when i told him someone said this to me because he's like don't listen to what they say uh because they don't know what the potential of what you're doing is and and just go on with doing what you're doing and and thank god that i did take that advice too seriously and i continued with building on our building so uh this this is very interesting because we also had another guest who uh, comes from a business sort of uh, uh background and and uh, he's been brought up in a business family right and then from a very young age you know what the business is you know what is happening so uh i'm sure like you said there's a huge influence on how your granddad wanted you to sort of take it forward and and how he influenced you uh, and i know there's this period where you went abroad and you weren't really thinking about it so what what happened there like how did you sort of uh, was there like a was there like a fight internally also for you about taking something that's a legacy and maybe doing something that you want to do look there was no fight internally for me i'll tell you i promised my grandfather i'd do something with it he i wrote my college essays about this right my college essays started with vedya my last name is a sanskrit word for ayurvedic doctor so what i started this conversation with was what i started my college essays which was always the back of my mind My grandfather paid for my first year of education at Brown uh, because he wanted me to study biotechnology. I didn't study biotechnology; I studied economics and politics. My grandfather stopped paying for my education, uh, but I always had the back of my mind. And I came back to India. I worked in private equity, and my grandfather passed. And after he passed, 
I thought to myself, there is this family legacy. I got to do something with it. It was back of my mind. It was my dad's 50th birthday. This was in 2016, uh, April. And there was a small party for him at his office. And I gave a speech at that party about my dad. By this time, my grandfather's clinic was just running as a dispensary. He had passed. So all his old patients would come with their prescriptions and take the medicine. After my speech, my grandfather's nurse of 17 years came up to me with a tear in her eye. And she said, you talk about your father's legacy, but you're going to let your grandfather's legacy die. If this skips you, it's over. And that was the switch which flipped. And I said, no, I'm, I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to do this. And yeah, I quit my job and I, I got rolling. And it was amazing. Amazing. So, so uh, you know, like that's a bold move that you've made. You cho- for sure would have made your granddad extremely proud about it. And, and you've proved it right. So what is the revolution you're seeing from D2C path in India, you know, like there are so many brands, old school brands, which completely rely on uh, brick and mortar. Now, what is the D2C revolution you're seeing in India? It's a revolution that just started. So we were the beginning of the revolution and you will see exponential growth over the next five years. Uh, look, I'll tell you, COVID has been an infection point for D2C in India. My parents who had, my, my father had never placed an order online until April, 2020. He's the father of an e-commerce entrepreneur. He placed his first order on Amazon. He's placed 20 plus orders on Amazon since then. He now goes on his Instagram feed, sees brand ads, clicks on them and shops from D2C brands. So there are hundreds of thousands of customers who never shopped online, who've come online. Brands have understood the gaps that larger FMCG companies can't solve and have been agile to solve these problems. Uh, have been agile to find these niches, have been agile to talk directly to customers. My top selling SKU is a product called Herbo Build. It's an Ayurvedic muscle gain supplement. It came because customers asked for it. That's the feedback loop that D2C allows you to solve. I think the next five years hold for thousands of D2C brands coming. Great time to be a customer because you're getting whatever you want. Um, and there's going to be so many outcomes for D2C brands with all these e-commerce roll-up companies plus strategics looking at roll-up, uh, buying e-commerce brands. I think Dr. Vegas and Beardo was just the beginning of, of what's going to happen now in the ecosystem. Absolutely. And talking about agility, like I think your brand has also combined D2C and also contract manufacturing, which is completely B2B, right? So how are you, how are you edging between both of this and being, you know, like giving equal attention to both? Look, B2B was not a core area of business. I think it was just uh, came out of serving startups. So I realized that it's very difficult for a startup to manufacture products with large contract manufacturers. So we wanted to be that center of excellence and that center of innovation for startups who wanted to launch Ayurvedic products to, to be able to do that in a way that someone who's run a startup understands. Right? So lower MOQs, um, great product development, understanding startup metrics, understanding e-commerce. So that's why we started and we, we largely catered to startups who wanted to launch Ayurvedic products. So where, where's your current focus on when it comes to your brand? Like where, what is the prime important factor that you're really focusing on for the next at least two years? I'm not working in the brand any longer. So my focus area is not on Dr. Vedya's anymore. But but yeah, I think Dr. Vedya's is a digital focused uh, D2C Ayurveda brand and, and digital remains the focus for now. Um, at least that's where I left it. So uh, uh, go for it, Ranap. And you know, I also know that you're an angel investor and in this segment, basically. And what is your expectations coming out of startups? And what is that you see, which is really amusing you at the same point, 
what what do you see that which is missing out look i'm angel investing uh, trisha and i angel investing because we want to give back to the ecosystem where founders who learned a lot we want to give back to founders so the idea of investing was actually to fund the next generation of d2c brands and we invest we mentor uh, we teach a course on d2c so doing all of these things to give back to the ecosystem that gave us a life changing outcome what do i look for when i invest i look for a strong founder a big enough market uh, and a good team and and that's enough for us to to take our call it's it's a gut call at at early stages what's missing uh actually i think that the ecosystems evolved and and growing really fast there's so many amazing startups um coming to us all the time i think the only one thing which is missing is a lot of times people are coming without doing much work and wanting capital like it's okay to be bootstrap for a little bit and and seed your idea and get some initial traction so i think sometimes a lot of people are coming to early to raise capital yeah so i, I was going to ask you arjun is that um, you spoke about what you see in a company and what you invest how important is it is the founder being like a torch bearer of the company a large part of our decision making and also him being thick skinned and, and going forward so is does that play a huge factor yeah so look we look for for uh, the qualities that we learned um that's enthusiasm drive energy grit and resilience um that's what we look for in founders uh, and and you we there we're fortunate to have been able to back i think 15 plus founders who we we saw this amazing um these amazing qualities and, and we continue to do the same so i wonder to understand the impact of your early school days and also your college the friends you made and their impact on your business and you bringing up this brand to what it is and what is your impact of friendship in your life yeah so i'll tell you a uh, very interesting story one of my best friends from school rohan he actually runs his family's ball bearing business but he's a really really passionate designer him and my dad designed the dr vedya's packaging Oh. both not their full time job so they did it for me uh, my friend akshay his family runs a large packaging business he's also a school friend of mine they made the packaging and my friend konak is a director he's a film director but he shot the first two livada bags so three of my friends from school actually came together in the early days of dr vedesh to kick us off that i think that's something that a lot of people don't really think about is the fact that uh um, sometimes you might feel like that you're asking someone for help and and it sort of is just because they're your friends that you don't sort of uh, think that you should ask them but i think it's so important that you can and go ahead and just ask them and you might find this collision of like uh not a collision more like a conglomeration of like his work and your work and and that's when it sort of builds and and i think um they also become sort of part of your process and part of your your story and that's very very important yeah. absolutely and, and and they invested in the brand they were so happy with the success of the brand yeah 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 so an effective tribe is extremely important for the outcome of your outcome of yourself and the company as well and and that is something that every startup needs to embrace on to ask your close friends first before they bring it out to the market and so what is your favorite failure and what what is failure and success to you look i think uh, for me failure is we were lucky to get failure very early on right because we got success too early we would have not valued it enough i think failure is the hallmark and accepting failure and rising up from failure is the hallmark of every startup entrepreneur you face it every single day 
lot of people think that when Dr. Vedas became larger, we wouldn't fail. Uh, the reality is your failures are much larger and the impact of your failures could be sort of much larger in relation to the, the, the business. So I think failures for me, um, what taught us everything and, and what made us what we are today. Favorite failure was the failure offline. We failed very early offline and it taught, it, it made us pivot to online and best decision that we took at Dr. Vaidya's. Nice. Um, there are a couple of few questions that we sort of ask all our guests and uh, it's something that, that we feel that is very important is for, for a person to perform or for a person to do, uh, to be at his best, there's, there's this mindset that he needs to be in, in peak mindset. So uh, what are some of like the hacks, practices, routines? that you do for you to get yourself into that mindset? Actually, I had no hacks. I was so motivated with what I was doing that I had no hacks to get myself into the mindset. Uh, but I think that like what helped was the latter part of Dr. Vedas is actually taking Sunday off as much as possible, not doing that much work on Sunday. I think it helped be recharged for the week. Nice. And do you have any unusual uh, habits? Uh, I think working out was really important for me. Uh, I, I didn't do as much at Dr. Adia's, but uh, I did as much as I could. But yeah, if it meant like you came home from work at 10 o'clock and I went straight for a jog, I'd do it. If it meant running back home from the office, I'd do it just to clear the mind. Nice. Amazing. And so I, I want you to explain to us, like, you know, what was the initiation behind starting your podcast yourself? Because I'm a big fan of your podcast. I've listened to all the episodes on my daily runs. And I really liked your episode with uh, uh, the on Shopper's Top and it was extremely inspiring. So tell us about your podcast and the audience you want to attract and uh, what are you trying to bring out of it? See, I learned a lot through podcasts myself. Right? I have a problem reading and concentrating. Um, so I can't read. So I watch documentaries and listen to podcasts. And that's how I learn. I saw a gap because like to build a consumer brand in India is a totally different animal from building it in the West, right? And there was a lot of talk about D2C in the West, but nothing on India. And so I just thought there was a gap and I thought people would learn a lot from it and had a lot of founder friends who I could tap on whose stories I really liked. So I, I started it and, and to be honest, it's been amazing. Like we've had more than a hundred thousand listens since I started it. This is just a side hobby. I now have 11 episodes out and I'll have three more coming out in the next three weeks. And yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. I think, I think we sort of resonate on the same thing. And that's one of the reasons why we also started this is that we wanted people to sort of share their knowledge and what they do and, and sort of maybe just humanize a person. Uh, cause most of the time, all you see is like, uh, okay. So Arjun, uh, Arjun is going to be talking about this only about Dr. Vaidya. So this, and that there's a lot more complexity that a person also goes through. Um, so, uh, what is your next like focus, uh, Arjun? Where do, where do you see yourself and, and what are you focusing on now? So look for now, uh, we've been actively giving back to the ecosystem, right? So angel investing, uh, mentoring and advising some B2C startups, um, working as venture partners to this early stage revenue based financing, um, company called get Vantage that helps D2C brands and then teaching a course on D2C. Uh, but hopefully in the next couple of weeks, you guys will hear what I'm up to next. Yes. Super excited for that. So Arjun, tell us about your routines. How, how does a daily day look like? I'll tell you now, it's, it's, it's much more structured than it was when I was a founder. Uh, so I wake up every day and, and I read for an hour. Um, just catch up on reading articles and uh, just relevant things that, that I enjoy, both news as well as 
um, ecosystem pieces. Uh, I then work out every single day. And then from 11 to 8, I have my, my work day, I have my calls. And then, yeah, uh, dinner. And then uh, luckily, I can switch off at 8 o'clock, which I couldn't as a founder. <laughs> That's nice. We've got uh, uh, probably one more question that we keep asking is that um, if you had a billboard, and you had to say something on the billboard, what would it be? It used to be nice guys don't finish last uh, because uh, there's this saying, right? Nice guys finish last. And I feel like I'm a nice guy and, and, and I feel like I, I didn't finish last. So it used to be nice guys don't finish last. That was my um, Instagram bio as well before I have what I have now. Um, I think now we stay hungry, stay foolish. Perfect. And so, Arjun, like fast forward twenty five years from now, no? what is what is what does future look like to you living in India? I never oh. fast forward twenty five years. I never fast forward five years as well. Okay, then let's go. Never... Let's go back and say what would you give your twenty one year old self uh, advice? Nothing. I love the journey. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> I'm a huge proponent of the journey and going through what you go through. So nothing at all. So. No, no aspirations on what future holds for us. Uh, I'm a short and medium term goal guy. Um, so I, I, I know what I want to do over the next year, but that's pretty much it. If you told me that I would have got a private equity job straight out of college, I would have, I would have said, I don't, I mean, I, I wouldn't have believed that when I was in college, they'd have told me you would have built and sold a company, uh, when I was in college, I would have never believed that. So, so I'm happy with the journey. And I think, uh, I'll, I'll let life hold what it has for in store for me now. And what are the three sectors you're extremely bullish on? Look, I think I'm, I'm fundamentally biased to D2C, a consumer brand. So I think that's one. I think the second one is enablers to the e-commerce ecosystem. Um, I think whether Dr. Vedya has made money, the logistics guy, the website guy, the tech guy, the CRM guy, they make money. And as the D2C ecosystem grows, I think the enablers to e-commerce ecosystem will also grow. And I think the, the next one is consumer internet uh, because we're still very early on in the adoption of, of, of sort of apps and, and, and digital products. So I think these three, yeah. Uh, Arjun, this has been amazing. I think uh, we completely ran out of all our questions. You just answered them so succinctly that, that you were like throwing like bombs at me in front of it. <laughs> but uh, thanks, Arjun. This has been amazing. I think um, um, uh, we love the fact that you touched upon like all your journeys and, and how you have come to be what you are right now. And I love the fact that you are so confident in yourself and you are very clear on your paths and goals. Uh, I don't, I, I don't find a lot of people like that. And I think people like, like this need to really sort of uh, maybe tell people not to overthink too. Thank you so much, Arjun, for your time. Thank you for listening to the 30 Minute Hustle podcast. You can follow us on Instagram for all our latest updates. Until next time, signing off, this is Pranab and my co-host Janish.